Hello everyone and welcome to the Information Entropy Podcast where we try and take some science and squish it into an hour-long show hopefully making it less confusing than it was at the beginning. Last week we talked about electric vehicles, how they work, batteries, the sustainability and of course we touch on ethics as we normally tend to. Today though we're going to finish that up pretty quickly and head on to artificial intelligence. So if you enjoyed this then follow us on Twitter in, at InfoEntropyPod, Instagram, Information Entropy Pod, and Spotify, iTunes, wherever you're listening to this right now, really. If you could throw us a like, a rating, it helps us out absolutely massively. I am Tom Jenks and joined, as per usual, by Mitchell Gatting. How are you, mate? I'm doing good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. That was like such bad. a robotic way of answering. Hello, Tom. How are you? I'm also a human being who enjoys human food. <laughs> yes. Mm, oil. And needs sleep. <laughs> yes, that wasted time in the day where we all have to sleep. Yeah. Such Fun a shame. stuff. Such a shame. Uh, I want to give a quick apology um, oh. about last week's show. Oh, yeah. That, unbeknownst to us, was but wasn't published. Like, it was in the feed... It was like the directories had picked it up, but it just wasn't showing anywhere. Um, and we managed to resolve that Wednesday. Yeah. So apologies, like all the socials were up like, oh, yeah, go and check this out. And then you went there and you, you couldn't. Uh, so it took us a while to resolve that. And oh, yeah, apologies for that. So if you're interested in electric vehicles, Tesla, all that good stuff, go back, check that out. And uh, yeah, I think it was a good one. Yeah, I think it was good. Shame that it didn't go out. It's one of those things where the only way that we knew is that we checked on Spotify itself because on our distribution it said it it is like actually gone. And even in the the podcast section of Spotify, it it, it looked like it was there. So apologies. yeah, it was an odd one. Uh, these things happen. You live and you learn. Uh, and tomorrow I'll be there. At 11 a.m., paranoid that it's not yeah. going up, hitting refresh, <laughs> updating the, the site. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Click, click, anyway, click, click. we're here now. We are, we are here, here now. now. Well, it's your turn for the news this week. I have some yes. side news that I found when I was. It's a, a random comment on a, a Reddit thread sparked it, and I was like, that sounds terrifying. Let's talk about that. <laughs> So okay. If you've got time, we'll dive into that. Definitely. This won't take that long. I, I mentioned it a bit last week, and I said I would uh, talk about it this week. And mm-hmm. it's about REM sleep, which we've talked about before um, a lot, actually, amongst ourselves, normally led by weird personal dream stories on my end, I think. Yours are pretty <laughs> tame. Um, anyway, something just happened in dream research that, if proven correct could change a lot about how we think about dreaming and maybe the function that it serves. So most people, and until really now, until this research came out, would correctly assume that dreaming is reserved for species with higher cognitive abilities. So humans, obviously, we dream. Um, There are lots of other higher primates that dream as well. Dogs dream, cats dream. Yeah. Um, but this is specifically related to the rapid eye movement stage of sleep. So we presume they are dreaming because their eyes are moving like uh, they do in us when we dream. So mm-hmm. we're kind of assuming, right, 
we're seeing lots of behavioral or physiological similarities and we're presuming in the brain something similar is going on. Now, it has also been observed in other vertebrates. Um, and, and also one group of invertebrates, which unsurprisingly is the cephalopods. So that's your octopus, your squid, um, your nautilus. But it begs the question, do they dream? It, because the brain system, central nervous system, sorry, is so different between vertebrates and invertebrates. What is homologous? Uh, Does I this guess, make sense? Yeah, like, I see what you're saying. So you say like the state they go into, should we be classify it as actually dreaming or sh should there be another name for it? Because something yeah, is like, happening they, when they are asleep, and we've just been like, "Oh, it something's when 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 we sleep, something happens, and that's dreaming." So we're just saying that it's dreaming, but it could yeah, potentially be completely like, something else. We see them in REM stage sleeping with rapid eye movement and similar or homologous physiological changes, right? Like mm. twitching and things like that. Yeah. Um, but do we know they're dreaming? As you say, it's very hard to do an ECG on an octopus. Yes. You know. <laughs> Uh, and detect, <laughs> okay, that means dreaming, right? Yeah, also that. Yeah. However, this was the, the bigger, the biggest kind of let's turn some things on its head moment. Researchers at Harvard University found a species of jumping spider okay. that appears to sleep. Uh, in Latin is the Ivarca arcuate, arcuati. Mm -hmm. Sorry, my Latin is non-existent. And what's more is not only does it sleep, but it exhibits homologous REM stage sleeping as well. Now, they knew this because the juveniles are transparent. So they could look inside their body as they were sleeping to determine what was going on. And there's a really cool video of them twitching whilst hanging upside down, uh, which is terrifying and cute at the same time. <laughs> But basically, the, the, the paragraph that comes out of the researchers here is, while sleep is ubiquitous in the animal kingdom, it remains to be demonstrated whether REM-like sleep is equally universal and how these sleep phases may be expressed in less visual species. Mm. Conversely, eye movement during REM sleep may be a unique feature of visual brains, with this convergent evolution suggesting some critical vision-specific functionality. So if that sounds like nonsense, basically it's saying REM stage may be in all creatures that are visual animals and that they sleep. So maybe you have dreams of a different variety in, say, blind animals. Think about moles or bats or something like that. Mm. Animals that are not visually active, let's say. Maybe they do have a REM stage, but it triggers different parts of the brain, so we can't detect it. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Because we think it's so, in one area because that's where it's in humans, but it's not. On those yeah. anthropomorphizing in science that you see that kind of sometimes leads us down a wrong path. Yeah, but also avoiding it like we tried to for many years also led us down a wrong path. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, and I think it's also the fact like, okay, if we need to dream and we think it's for all these complex reasons. You know, you have many philosophers thinking, why do we dream? Is there a different plane of existence that we go to when we're dreaming? That kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, like that new show oh, well, on like, Netflix. <laughs> like, like the Sandman, yeah. The Sandman um, is where you get the sand in the middle of your eye. So why is a jumping spider 
dreaming, potentially. Uh, it's just fantasizing on like jumping on people's faces. I, that's what I think. Yeah, obviously, that's all they dream about doing. Yeah, why wouldn't you? All right. Well, I hope you never be reincarnated into a spider. <laughs> why? I was murdering people. Couldn't jump on my face. Yeah, like a face hugger when you see it coming. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah. Now I'm just imagining a face hugger, and then when it attaches to someone's face, it just lifts up, and there's like your face on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> well, there's the, that alien species from the um, the Christmas episode of Doctor Who, and Nick Frost plays Santa Claus, where it puts them into a dream state whilst it eats their brain. Oh. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen it. But the whole time. Who's the doctor? Uh, that. The doctor for that one is Peter Capaldi. Oh, yeah, no? I haven't seen is Capaldi. It? Yes. Yes, it is Peter Capaldi for that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's interesting because, like, Santa Claus is there. He's like, is this real? Is it not real? Um, and they can't work out whether Santa Claus is real and it's messing with the whole... Because there's four people that are, like, sharing a dream. And they just oh. don't know. Yeah. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting episode. Nice. Uh, but yeah, that's that's my news. So if you've got something oh, you, you you'd wanna, like to speak my, about, then yeah, yeah, my terrifying side news uh, that I came across. It's something called uh, vacuum decay of the universe. Do you know what vacuum decay is? Um, no, no, I don't. No, no. I was trying, I was going to take a guess, but no. Okay, it sounds terrifying. So to understand vacuum decay, uh, vacuum decay, the first thing you need to consider is the Higgs field. We all know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. It's the electrical field. Oh, it's like an electrical field uh, that varies in strength based on its potential. Um, the higher like it is, the more energy it has. That's kind of if you imagine like a, an XY graph, it kind of like dips up. So the Higgs potential determines whether a universe is in one of two states. A, a true vacuum, or B, a false vacuum. Right. Uh, a true vacuum is a stable, lowest energy state that is like sitting on a valley floor. A false vacuum is like being nestled in a divot in the valley wall. So it's a little way up that valley. And, it's okay. a, little, and an, a little push could like send us tumbling back down to the valley floor. And the idea is that if we are in a universe uh, that is in a false vacuum state. It's, it's called uh, metastable uh, because it's not actively decaying. So it's not rolling up or down the hill. It's in that little nodule right. up a hill. Uh, but it's not exactly stable either. So the issue being is if one could create a high enough energy event, you could, in theory, push that universe out of that little cubby hole and back down to the valley floor what that essentially means is that we go from our false vacuum, which we think is pretty cold, to what is potentially a true vacuum, which is what the universe could go to. And what eventually happens is a bubble, called a bubble of true vacuum, will then expand in all directions at the speed of light, uh, just instantly freezing and destroying everything in the universe. Ah. So, yeah. Right. And do you want to see more worrying? The possibility of vacuum decay uh, has come up 
come up a lot recently because measurements of the mass of Higgs boson seems to indicate that the vacuum is metastable. So, yeah. And that is not good. No, because if, if the vacuum is metastable, it means that you're in a false vacuum, not a true vacuum. Ah, so this whole time we've been presuming we're in a true vacuum, but it turns yes. out we're not. Yeah, so there's the potential that we aren't in a true vacuum. So do you know how cold it is in space? Yeah, pretty, that's pretty like, chilly, I've heard. Yeah, that's like halfway up the graph curve, when really we could be that that area, that, that space up the graph curve, what we think is zero, actually is like 10, and then we could just shoot down to a true vacuum, which would be like just infinitely colder and we just in instantly just freeze and destroy everything right 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 yeah like a yeah. cascade effect from this point of high enough energy yeah mm, yeah yeah so that's a existential dread yeah <laughs> well that's yes. another thing to keep you awake at night that's probably uh -huh. it's true but it, it's it's one of those like, things. It'll be quick it's, if it happens. Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's quicker than quick. It'll be instantaneous. The whole universe would just instantly, I don't know, freeze, explode, destroy. Like, I'm not sure what would happen yeah. to the gravity when that sort of thing happens. So essentially, this Higgs boson... Sorry, it's not Higgs boson, sorry. This Higgs field measurement yeah. that we presume to be zero, we have set to be zero, let's yeah. say, is precisely what it needed to be to allow our universe to form in the way that it has yes but it could potentially be just a hiccup and it could just change yeah if a big enough energy event occurred that is yeah huh yeah that's pretty mad I'm, I'm, there should be, there must be some planets though with like a high enough magnetic field to at least retain their heat, mm -hmm. let's say, against such things. But it would dim the star, wouldn't it? Yes. I'd imagine. There are, there are some counter arguments to this to think that we are in a true vacuum because the Big Bang, they're, they're calling a high enough energy um, event. So well, you'd that imagine so, yeah. would have caused us to be like tipped over into yeah unless like, of the edge like we spoke about the other time right the big bang obviously happened before us yeah right so we will never be able to view it because it's at light speed ahead of us what if we're moving at light speed away from this vacuum true vacuum at light speed mm -hmm. it's perpetual chase Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, if you're right at the edge. Yeah. Because nothing goes faster than the further speed of FTL. Yeah. Faster than light travel. Yeah. But they've they've thrown a curveball with quantum mechanics into this as well. So oh, bloody hell. Yeah. The other problem that they state is that quantum mechanics says that a particle can tunnel through a barrier between one region or another. Because that's how oh, just like pop works. the balloon. Yeah, so essentially they're saying this can also apply to a vacuum state. So a universe that is quite happily sitting in a false vacuum could, via completely random quantum fluctuations, suddenly find itself back down in the true vacuum causing disaster. So it's a case that 
quantum mechanics could potentially screw us over here and we wouldn't need a high energy event. It could just be like, right, quantum mechanics, boom. Yeah. True vacuum, just, you're dead. It just done. <laughs> but you've got to imagine that the chances are so small that it hasn't happened in 13 billion years. Yeah, that's true. But there's nothing... That's but like, I guess that's, that just makes it more and more likely. There. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was investment bias in the in the universe, but it hasn't <laughs> happened so far. So you know, next time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, the the percentage chance is only going up, I suppose. Yeah, as each second ticks on. Right. Well, okay. if you can't sleep tonight, yeah. uh, at <laughs> Info Entropy Pod. Uh, we'll be there all night. Yeah, uh, insomnia strikes us all with existential dread. <laughs> Maybe I'll stick on the live radio, answer questions in real time. Yeah, that. Or we just listen to it to send you to sleep. With our smooth oh, yeah. voices. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you oh, said that but po- those podcasts do really well on Spotify, I tell you. They get, they? They get, they get bare numbers. Yeah, the ASMR sleepy podcast of someone just whispering a, a book. Oh, I could do that. Yeah, we both could do that quite easily. I'm not sure. I've, I would pick some pretty janky books to do it, like The Man in Black. Isaac Asimov. Yeah, The Gunslinger. Man in Black. Okay, the desert. yeah, yeah. The Gunslinger followed. Like me whispering that in your ear, just not what Well, save, save the content. Save the content. That's, uh, that's big bucks right there. Yeah. We found it. Okay. Right. Moving back in <laughs> to today's subject. AI and things. Well, that's because of things. I actually had a, a computer test for you. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we've done before. Um, just this is like a retest just to see how far you've come. I I cannot remember this. What, oh, what good, you're talking good, about? Good, good, so, good. all right, cool. So, first one, uh, and this is like acronym knowledge for those who are listening. They need some like if we make any sort of acronyms about like AI or. Um, VMs or spinning up. Well, we'll explain it when it comes. So, what does CPU stand for? Central Processing Unit. Now, uh, quick fire. Let's go. What does Hell RAM yeah. stand for? Random Access Memory. What does ROM stand for? Uh, Oof. Oh, Is shame. it random and memory? No. Right. Uh, not a clue. CD-ROM. Wait. Ah, oh, I did the same thing last time. I remember <laughs> that. But I can't remember the answer. <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, of course it is. I just can't remember what you told me it was. Uh, read-only memory. So it means oh, that it can't be written to. Yeah. Because uh, when you boot up a computer, it uses both RAM and ROM. You have like a partial boot of, on the ROM and then it gets transferred over to the RAM. Right. That's okay. why if your RAM is broken, you'll go into a boot loop because it'll boot on the ROM and then try and pass it to the RAM and it won't be able to. So it'll just kick it off and it'll start again. Um, PSU. What does PSU stand for? PSU. Yeah, not the uh, not the power scope. save unit. Oh, power supply unit. You are close. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, now the other way around. What does UPS stand for? And not the United, United States, States Postal Service. <laughs> yeah, not that one. UPS. Yes. Don't know, mate. Uninterruptible power supply. 
So you have no. that on your computer. If you live in an area that you've got quite unstable electricity, you'll have a UPS that sits next to your computer that acts as like a, a massive battery. And what will happen is the power cuts, it'll then automatically cut over to the UPS to then uh. ensure that you can close your computer and save your work down properly. Lots of big servers have these. There, It's there in like contingency management plans. You'll have a cut over that will then go down to another site. So you'll have... Uh, this is like cold site, hot site, warm site for backups. Right. A cold site, you need like, um, it's an area that needs some time to boot up. Uh, a hot site means that you can completely transfer all your processing straight to that different location. And a warm site means that it's in a state that it can be booted quite quickly. So okay. what will happen is if something fails, the UPS will click on and you can either then transfer what's there to the warm site or let you shut down and then move it to the cold site. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha. What is a HDD stand for? Hard disk drive. Yes. What does SSD stand for? Solid state drive. Yes. What does CD stand for? Compact disk. Nah, CD's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> You do, you do, you like that. I'm pretty sure I did that last time as well. Oh, did you? Dear, yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. It's compact disc. I don't know how we recover from this. Oh, I, oh dear. Wow. Well, there okay. goes my street cred, whatever was left of that. Well, my next question was, um, as a discussion point, is how do you think robots, our robot overlords will arrive? Do you think it's a case of it's always just... Is there a on right answer to this, sorry? Are we still back on the quiz? No, this is just a discussion point. Do we oh, think... this is like at the end of the job interview. They ask yeah, you yeah, a, they have, that, they have an open one. Question. Yeah, just a warm-up. Right. Um, do you think they're going to come as like robots or alien, like alien robots are going to come and that's like War of the Worlds? Or do you think that it's going to be like we create them? Or do you think... Uh, in, in in that in bracket as in we create them and then they create themselves so they make themselves smarter I and they see duplicate. I see yeah and how do you think how do you think our robot overlords are going to appear I'd like it to be aliens oh uh, interesting okay War of the World style um, yeah the whole world ends I get you I get you <laughs> yeah but War of the World style they weren't fully robot were they uh no there were aliens that were part of the ships yeah that came down in the lightning yeah so I'd like it to be aliens because that would be cooler and mm-hmm. hopefully they die of the common cold and you know we all have a great story to tell <laughs> uh, <laughs> after millions upon millions of people are harvested for their blood yes nice. yeah great story though for the survivors write a book about that sell it for the ages um I don't think that's going to be the case though okay and yeah. if you want to know why episode number two we talked about this yeah um, so I'm going to go with we created now whether they end up creating themselves that's a new thing um, but I think it's got to do with some AI thing somewhere we create a robot that just goes wild but it has to like spread if you if you think of um, Planet of the Apes the newer series like the reboot yeah not the Mark Wahlberg reboot that one doesn't exist okay the yeah. reboot reboot yeah 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 um, if you imagine like that kind of progression, but with AI instead of monkeys, 
one okay. gets smart and then it so makes another we, one smart, that kind of thing. We inject the serum into the computer and it gets really clever. Yeah, and then it manages to make other computers smart or copy itself, uh, that kind of thing. And we'll end up with one supercomputer, like hive mind. Mm-hmm. It just depends how well robots have progressed by then. And if yeah. we've got anything like, is it Metalhead, that Black Mirror episode? Yeah, yeah, where they either track down and they kill the people. Um, where they got the robot dogs with machine yeah, yeah, guns yeah. on their heads. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because I don't think it would be that hard to then just have lots of independent versions of the same AI. Mm-hmm. But also hive mind when it's connected to the internet, if that makes sense. Yeah. When they when they have all of our information and data. Yeah. It's just how will they maintain the internet? Because right now that that wouldn't happen. But say 15, 20 years when we've all got robot servants and we're basically playing Detroit Human, you know? Uh, yeah, good reference, good reference. Or living Detroit Human, not playing it. Yeah. Uh, well, we, it could be both. We could be living it and playing it at the same time because it exists. Oh, that's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know. um, so yeah, I, 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 that's off the top of my head. I wasn't prepared for this question. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I'm going with. you up. Uh, maybe like Terminator-esque where suddenly there's like a flash and a robot from the past comes and we're like oh no it's happening we need, yes. to, we need there's some random person in the world that we need to protect or kill that would also make them. for a great story <laughs> what the whole world trying to find <laughs> one person that invents time travel we don't actually yes. know who it is imagine that the world will just turn to chaos yeah find this person or die in 10 years go all right then okay so bit of a rollover episode because we were talking about electric cars and ai and now we're talking about ai but we still got a little bit of it in between to talk about indeed indeed we do yeah mine was actually slamming uh, a former google engineer well not slamming it's the news of a former google engineer Right. There, there was a whole public shaming. There, there wasn't a whole public shaming, but there was. There's been lots of controversy around self-driving cars and AI at the start. Ah, uh, yes. So recently, there has been, hasn't there? Yeah. Uh, a, a and former, with Tesla suspiciously yes. turning off certain features just before a crash happens to keep numbers up. Oh. Oh uh, yeah, I wasn't talking about. I'm talking about a way, way before that to do with oh, okay. the, the development of the AI that it runs on. Oh, okay. um, yeah, and yeah. I think it's like Uber that they try to go to. So uh, Anthony Levadonisky is a former Google engineer and serial entrepreneur. I put that in brackets because serial entrepreneur. Serial entrepreneur. Does that mean like he's like created things and gone on and cereals. created more things and then created oh, more things right. and is like. Yeah, not like as a in, serial killer. Yeah, but has done, has done like loads of different entrepreneurial things. Not just he's he's made an enterprise he hasn't around just made like, cocoa pops. <laughs> Shreddies has been really it. good yeah. for him. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, so he's like the center point of a lawsuit between Uber and Waymo, uh, and he's been he was sentenced to eighteen months in prison on one count of stealing trade secrets. Now, what happened was it was believed that. He also had to pay like some ridiculous amount of money, like seven, like eight hundred thousand pounds in like restitution and a fine of twenty five thousand. Um, 
it was believed that he he was one of the founding members on the Google self-driving project, uh, which was internally called Project Chauffeur back in the day. Uh, and he was paid about $127 million by Google for his project work, according to the, like the court documents. Like He was well paid for it. Um, right. But then seven years later, in 2016, he left Google and started working at Otto with three other Google veterans. Um, then Uber acquired Otto less than like a year later. Now, two months after that acquisition, Google made two arbitration demands against the two people, the two, the, the two Google engineers that went over. Um, and then said like, you have to tell us they made like indemnification agreement between Uber and them. And the company was compelled to then defend him. So it was like this weird, there was an agreement between Uber and this one engineer that essentially said, okay, you have to defend me no matter what. And then what happened is when all the arbitration was played out, uh, Waymo, which is another company separately filed a lawsuit against Uber for trade secret theft and patent infringement. So this all right. came out that he essentially took uh, the information and then just like used it elsewhere in a different company, which is a big no-no. Like in anything, yeah. like if you're developing something at a company, even if it's, this is like a weird thing, in your, if it's even if it's in your spare time, but using company resources, it's the company's property. Yeah. Like if you want to be developing something in your own time, that's slightly related to your work, you need to do it like on your own server, separate from everything else. Um, using no sources from your work or anything like that. Otherwise, your 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 workplace is a grounds to claim it as their own. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that all happened at the start, and this led to the and so far there's been nothing really much in the in the area of the whole Uber automatic driving cars. Oh right. Like, so it's like, all kind of stopped because of that. Yeah, I think there was like they saw it as too much and then they could just use um, other people's. Okay. So lease it. Um, but people, they, 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 there is a still a self drive self driving car division at Uber, called yeah. the ATG Group. Uh, sorry, ATG Group, ATG Advanced Technologies Group, and they're still trying to develop it, and they think that it's going to help Uber get out of their. Um, current, current loss because if you didn't know Uber has been like struggling for years to make any sort of profit yeah um, so they, they think they're gonna, that's going to pull them out weren't Uber just in a lawsuit for using AI I think to for any of their drivers who were using Lyft as well or other, these other services it would post their pages on like terrorist like uh like give their pages terrorist like notifications so oh. they would get less traffic and stuff okay no i didn't i knew Maybe i knew that's something I knew else that, um they, oh, i think that might be an only fans thing actually okay <laughs> strange yeah uh i know they used to have a a a tool called grayball if you didn't know what that right. is so Grable, it uses data collected from the Uber app and other techniques to identify and circumvent uh, officials who are trying to clamp down on the on their service. 
Ah. So they used it to evade uh, authorities in Boston, Paris, and Las Vegas, and also in countries like Australia and China and South Korea. Um, it was part of their program called VTOS, so violation of terms of service, which Uber that created to root out people who they thought were using or targeting its services improperly. So it would just gather all the data, say that it was like you were being picked up outside um, a place of work that did investigations into this. It would just not give you rights. Like you would see the map uh. of all the cars around it and it'd just be like, oh, trying to connect you with a driver. Oh, sorry, there are none. Um, so yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so they I know these- that they did have an AI system... Uh, what was it? To... No, completely gone. Okay. The only one I, I currently know, steps. apart from like yeah. all the, the high-profile ones, is the Chaos Engine, Chaos Monkey, I think it was called, that uh, right. Netflix used. So uh, okay. their engineers designed uh, this AI to go round and just break things internally. Oh, <laughs> called the chaos monkey and essentially what they were trying to do was test their capability to stay up or to get their um to keep their servers online or if something happened in one server area how quickly it would be them to fix it so it kind of was like yeah, we created a machine to go break our machine so to see how quickly our machine could repair itself or keep itself online so it was a way of them being able to test out their services that's a pretty good way to do that I guess. Very clever. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. Clever. I'm not sure if they still have it. This was like quite a few years ago. Um but what it would like it would reduce the quality that it could that like someone could watching and then they would see how they quickly they could fix it. Okay, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. but no the, the Tesla one I was thinking of, basically uh, to bring this back to AI and self driving cars. Obviously you have the AI deciding how to drive, where to drive, that kind of thing. Um, but if they were about to get into a crash, the AI would recognize that and then turn off the self-driving mode. Okay, so they can they can say so that, that when they oh. crashed, Tesla could then say, "Well, actually, if you look at the number of crashes that happen under self-driving mode, yeah. it is minimal." Yeah, that's 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 grubby. And that's one of the lawsuits going on right now. Yeah, that's that's uh, uber grubby. Yeah, that is uber grubby. Yeah, not as in uber uber, but just <laughs> grubby. Yeah, that, that's nasty. All right, so artificial intelligence. Thirty-five minutes into the show, oh, we've we've covered it a bit. It hasn't been that much of a tangent. Yeah, maybe. So now we can actually, um, we've said AI and machine learning a few times. We can actually start explaining what it is. We have, exactly. <laughs> so, AI. Yes. What is it, mate? Uh, well, AI stands for artificial intelligence. And in computer science, the term refers to any human like intelligence exhibited by a computer, robot, or other machine. Uh, in popular usage, artificial intelligence refers to the ability of a computer or a machine to mimic the capabilities of the human mind, learning from experiences, examples, recognizing objects, understanding and responding to language, making decisions or solving problems, or combining these in any kind of way in which a human might perform 
such as uh, greeting a hotel guest, which they're Asia. They they love it at the moment. There's like whole yes. no people hotels that you like. It's all it's all great. Or or driving cars, as we said. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's very interesting. Like back in the fifties, fifty mid fifties is really kind of when they they kind of kicked this off with the yes. whole AI research thing. They did back then. It was like okay, we're just going to solve problems and use symbolic methods to to do so. Mm-hmm. Then in the in the sixties, it was kind of the, I think the U.S. Department of Defense took a big interest in AI, um, and they began to try and mimic basic human reasoning. And then, oh, that's where we get DARPA from, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. Mm -hmm. Uh, They completed the street mapping project in the 70s and intelligent personal assistance in 2003. So that was long before Siri, Alexa, Cortana, all of those things kind of came into our, like, consumer world. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I want to kind of go over some of the goals that people might have with AI. Like, why does artificial intelligence exist because i think if you don't use it it's very easy to be under the assumption that ai is like a sci-fi trope yeah it only ever ends badly the whole world's gonna die unless we can turn hal off right Mm -hmm. but there's there are yeah before we get into there's different classifications that lots of people get wrong and they they think one thing is one thing, but it's not. So right. if you think of artificial intelligence, that's the entire like universe of computing technology that exhibits anything remotely resembling human intelligence. That is artificial yes. intelligence. Um, it's not a tool, it's a field. Yeah, yes. That, that is, it's, it um, is a scientific field. And, and that is, even within artificial intelligence, there are many things that are not, tools their fields like the umbrella mm-hmm. there are umbrellas in umbrellas in umbrellas here yeah for example machine learning is a subset of uh, artificial intelligence application that learns by itself yeah so that so machine learning actually it's something that reprograms itself as it digests more data this is one of the things that people hear a lot about and that's like it it you feed it more information as it feeds you feed it more information it gets better you throw it sometimes bad information to see if it sees it as bad and then you label it as bad and then that narrows it down yeah. now another thing that you like it's all to do with increasing accuracy over time another thing which there's there's so many interesting things about this my mind's darting over the place yeah yeah I in, in recent years the reason that machine learning has become so come on to, in so many leaps and bounds is the uh, availability of higher level computing or like server farms that you can just feed. So you can just like host a, a machine learning algorithm that's learning on a server farm that's got loads of um, capability in ter- or cas- capacity in terms of, as you said, RAM. It can do things a lot quicker. So back in the day, yeah. a machine learning algorithm training it would have taken months. But what they used to do in months we can now do like in a day we can just feed it and using quantum computing as the next example we can now get to the level where we can just feed machine which it sounds like this is a terrible idea but machine (laughs) feed machine learning algorithms on a a quantum level just to like do it hyper quickly yeah Um, 
Now going off of that, deep learning is another thing that you see in the news. Uh, it's also referenced a lot. Uh, that is a subset of machine learning <laughs> that teaches yeah. itself to perform a specific task with increased greater accuracy without human intervention. So you've got AI at the top, then machine learning, then deep learning as subsets of themselves. And there's loads. Yeah. But there's like deep learning learnings. in itself is a massive field. Yeah. Like on its own, you know, it's a completely separate thing in some regards. And in other regards, as you say, it's completely under the umbrella mm-hmm. at the same time. It it can be very confusing yeah. just trying to think about how these <laughs> topics interact. Yeah. Uh, but we'll do our best uh, in the 20 minutes we have remaining. And I suppose next week, looking <laughs> at the rest of my notes that I have here. Uh, I've got like, um, I cut mine down. So I've got I've quite succinct to it with mine. Um, oh, I went down the rabbit okay. hole. <laughs> As you usually I, do. I do not yeah. have succinct notes. As I said before we started, I have nine pages of notes. Normally I limit myself at four. Mm-hmm. I did not do that today, yesterday. No, just kept on writing. Um, so goals associated with uh, artificial intelligence. What would someone with the ability or access to artificial intelligence want to do with it? Um, well, it started off with reasoning, knowledge representation. So you might want to find the best way to make a graph or present information. Planning. I'm sure like people have used programs, whether in work or something like that, where it's like, oh, you should probably set up this meeting or you haven't replied to this person in a few days. Like a little bit more advanced than that. Mm-hmm. And you basically were AI involved. Learning, both helping humans learn and itself learning. And I will come on to that in a bit. Natural language processing is a very important thing. And that basically allows machines to read and understand human language. So when you're speaking to Alexa and you're using or using text to speech or whatever you're using, it can hear what you're saying and then put that into action in the way you intended. Mm-hmm. Perception, motion, uh, manipulation. So that's actual robotics, social intelligence, and general intelligence. Those are the biggest goals that things seem to be working towards. And even in my field as a marine biologist, we use AI and specifically uh, machine or deep learning and neural networks a lot. Yeah. And that sounds surprising, but statistics has become so much more powerful through these tools. Um, but yeah, I won't deep dive on that because you know, that how. can be... Well, personally, <laughs> I, I, for, for my stuff, I'm not allowed. NDAs, NDAs yes. <laughs> but as a general thing, it, it would be okay to speak about because it it's just a tool that anyone can anyone can use. Um, but yeah, it can be, can be quite heavy. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Right. I'll let you know what I've got. Okay. Let me see what you've got. Right. And uh, what we want to head on to next, because I've got a bit on machine learning yep, as like a whole to kind of go on about the different methods of machine learning, uh, what neural networks are, because they're kind of fundamental when it comes to machine learning, um, and then deep learning, a bit more off of that. What have you got? Uh, well, I, need, I, I used a slight touch. So I've got a little bit of machine learning. Some deep learning and then types of AI. Oh, okay. Such yeah, as yeah. Um, Annie or uh, I've used 
yeah, AI, AI. Um, ah, yeah. Then AI huh. and art is my my most recent discovery, and I I'm I'm just love it. You got me hooked on that as well. Yeah, it's just so good. <laughs> it's 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 hard to describe someone who like hasn't seen AI art and hasn't just tried it out for themselves. It's yeah. just so incredible. Um, there's so many different right. types as well. Uh, can I quickly go over neural networks then? Go for it. Fire away. Because I think, and this is my perception, yeah. is that neural networks are the fundamental basis in a lot of respects, especially when it comes to machine learning and deep learning, of how AI might function. And I think mm-hmm. it's important to understand at least how some of AI works. Otherwise, what are we really doing here, you know, speaking about it? Yeah, okay. uh, yeah I've got some of that as well. So, we can go for it. This is just one example of how artificial intelligence can be built. And with neural networks, it works basically with large amounts of data, as you were saying, through Mm -hmm. iterative processing and intelligent algorithms. So basically, a neural network has, let's say, at least two layers, three layers. An input layer where you input things an output layer where like, this is what I want to get out of the neural network. And in between you have a hidden layer. Mm -hmm. Now the hidden layer, each layer is connected to different nodes, right? If you think about neurons in the brain, you have like a, the cell body and then a long line that goes off and splits it up to and touches lots of other cell bodies. That's basically the framework that we're going for here. And I think it was inspired by the brain to try and mimic eventually consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically a node is patterned after a neuron in the brain and similar in behavior to neurons, they are activated where there are sufficient stimuli to them. This activation spreads throughout the network, creating a response to the stimuli. Mm-hmm. So you imagine all the nodes are turned off until you put something in the input layer. That input layer has like a threshold. Okay, when this amount of information has been passed through or this amount of things are satisfied, I will touch out and reach these nodes that I'm being triggered to do so in the hidden layer. Then lots of stuff happens as a cascade effect in the hidden layer, and then you get an output layer. Now, the reason why it's called a hidden layer is because you don't really know what's going on unless you built the thing itself, right? (laughs) And even then... The nodes can even swap, change, build themselves, rearrange themselves, depending on the specific type of model you've got. That's why it's called a hidden layer, because honestly, even if you built it, you don't know what's going on, Mm -hmm. depending how you've arranged it. You can also have multiple hidden layers. It's not just like a one and done. Yes. The much more complex neural networks have um, multiple which each will further refine the conclusion of the previous layer as it, as it goes through before it gets out. So it's not just the yeah. one layer. The movement... And it's, yeah, go for it. So the movement calculation through the hidden layers to the output layer is called, if you don't know, forward propagation. That's uh, when it jumps forwards to out of the hidden layer to the outer layer. But right. There's something called back propagation that you have to bake in, as you said, because you don't really know what's going on in the hidden layer that identifies errors in the calculation will then assign them weights and then pushes them back to the previous layer to then refine and then train that model. So it identifies the error, then goes back up one level to then propagate down again. 
Right, yeah. I think, is that supervised? No. Uh, It'll do it by itself. Learning. Oh, okay. Oh, nice. So that's that's deep learning when it does it itself. So that is without human input. Um, when it aggregates uh, okay. by itself, uh, machine learning—the normal one—is when you have to have. If you have an output that's wrong, you then change the hidden layer and you feed that back in manually to say right. this is wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do it better. Do it better. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when. These specific nodes, when posed with a request or problem to solve, they run mathematical calculations separately for each neuron, let's say, um, and they figure out whether there's enough information gathered there to pass that onto the next neuron. Simply put, they read all the data and figure out whether there's a strong relationship um, and whether that exists to something else in the neural network. And if yes, then it fires information to that neuron. And... Yeah, as you say, there can be many hidden layers and it's very easy to get caught on how many layers are there because you end up in like the Hercules and the tortoise paradox. Like, does he ever actually catch him if he's just moving half the speed at the time? You know, he never actually gets there. (laughs) I mean, is it Achilles Um, or is it Hercules? Oh, it's Achilles. You're right. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Achilles and the tortoise. Throw his hammer at him or what does he Hercules use? He's got a big old mallet or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it can be very confusing, and I'm sorry that's a very quick rattle through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as you say, there are very different, lots of different kinds, and that's basically the basis of machine learning, as you said. And this is one spectrum of AI. They don't all function like this, but this is definitely the most common way to do it. And what we'll do in science, for example, is we'll assign each node, let's say, a probability. And then if the probability is met after the input layer, you'll then forward propagate through the model to get an output layer. And then you'll just do that again and again and again Mm -hmm. until maybe, let's say, you're doing that with known answers. That's called training the model. Yeah. I think this is deep learning specifically. Um, But it happens happens in machine learning as well. You can train the model. Let's say I've got data that I know what the answer is. Let's say I put A in and I know I should get B. Mm -hmm. You train it on lots and lots of data and then you feed it wild data and you're assuming it's learnt the specific patterns that it'll analyze the wild data correctly. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's how it'll be used in science. And that's a very, very quick summation of neural networks. Yeah. Honestly, that could be an hour by itself. <laughs> it, it could, it could. Uh, not get bogged down by it too much. Um, so, different types of AI. Quickly, you have yes. weak, weak AI. It's weak, weak AI. Uh, it's also called um, narrow AI uh, or artificially narrow intelligence, where it's any A N I is trained and focused to perform specific tasks. So this is like uh, weak AI drives most of the AI that surrounds us today. Uh, which narrow is more accurately descriptive of this AI because it is anything but weak. Like it enables very yeah, impressive applications. Yeah, it's not weak, it's just very right? specific. So, so Siri or Alexa or the IBM Watson computer. Um, right. 
or self-driving cars, that is that is weak. <laughs> Apparently, that's that's weak AI yeah. and narrow. Um, strong AI is the other one. Uh, is also called artificially general intelligence, so AGI. Uh, is more that fully replicates the autonomy of the human brain. Uh, okay. That that can solve many types of or classes of problems, or even choose the problems it wants to solve without human intervention, which is terrifying. Um, <laughs> just yeah. To have an AI yeah, yeah. being like, do you know that like n back problem that you've got, or is it is it n to no? It's p p equals q p, the p equal q problem. You see that problem in programming? Yeah, I'm going to solve that. That would be terrifying. Um, great if you're the scientist that you were overlooking it and you went home for the evening and came back the next morning like, yeah, look, I've solved this. And we're like, oh, sick. Time to destroy it and claim that I did. Um, <laughs> uh, strong AI <laughs> the is... evil origin story. Yeah, unfortunately, it is entirely theoretical currently. There are no practical examples of it in use today. Um, but that doesn't mean that AI researchers aren't exploring, in brackets, warily exploring... Uh, artificial super intelligence, which is artificial intelligence superior to human intelligence or ability. So an example of uh, artificial super intelligence might be Hal from Odyssey. Yep. Yep. That. You know what? We're not going to get into my opinion on that movie. Um, or this, yeah, the superhuman uh, computer assistant in 2001: A Space Odyssey. Um, but you and know that, that, that ends out that ends well, you know. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Lovely. I can't do that. <laughs> it's just like brilliant. Okay, this is this is it for me. Yeah. But in terms of like the mission, they would be programmed like that. Yeah, because they would survive longer. Yeah, it's like ah, oh, in Interstellar, I've forgotten the name of him, but the the robot. There's a robot in Interstellar. Yeah, there's a robot that picks up one of the the in the on the water wells and then like walks them back to the ship. Oh, um, it's one of like the I main th- interactions because the robot doesn't age, but the human does, and that's the but thing. Does he look like a human? The robot? No, it looks like a, a rectangular piece of metal. Ah, oh, yes. Okay. I could picture the scene, just not the robot. And instead, my brain was placing in the robot from... Tars. Star Wars. Tars is the name of the robot in Interstellar. Yeah. The, the one played by uh, Alan T- Tyduk. Is that who plays him, is it? Yeah. Pirate Steve from Dodgeball. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> plays the robot in Star Wars. Um, Rogue One. The big security droid who's oh, like yes, really yes, sarcastic. Yes, the spinny one. You are yeah. being rescued. Slammed into <laughs> <Yes>. the floor. <laughs> exactly. That's who I was imagining in Interstellar. No, right? no. Anyway. Interstellar's got the. It's just like a rectangle with like segments that fold up and can move. Yes. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, because Tars spent 23 years on the ship maintaining it with. Uh, what's his name? Rom Romilly. The, yeah. the character that they come back and he's really old and they're like oh my god what happens and he's like ah oh, gravitational time dilation and if you want to know more about that just go back to our episode on gravitational time dilation hey space travel go for it um yeah 
to that kind of that kind of AI. Because that's really funny. Because well, he's like yeah, tone yeah. down your jokiness, and he's like, yeah, setting it to <laughs> reducing it by fifteen percent. It's a good thing. Now, would we consider those super intelligent, or are they just actually narrow AI? Because they are in a specific environment, no, trained to do a specific job. They're not, because they're not doing a very specific job. They interpret things, and like the rescue of that character was very much a like the robot thing to do. So th- there's right. no way that you could have a narrow AI be ready for that kind of space travel, because there are, there's there's aspects that you could say are um, narrow. Like repairing the ship, you could have a narrow AI, but things like interpret humans, think faster and better than humans in certain aspects, that it, it does like the decision making quicker than a human could to save yeah. her. Um, it, that, that's why it's in like the super intelligence category. Okay. Okay. I get it. Mm-hmm. Yep. But moving on. Automatic- Sorry. My question was going to be then, if we had an AI mimic, let's say exactly mimic human intelligence, right? Yeah, that's... Does it automatically become super intelligent because it can do it quicker? Because it just can, because it's Ooh, a machine. That is, no, because it, it doesn't go beyond our capacity to think. But it does the, it a lot speed, quicker. The speed doesn't have anything to do it, do with it. Okay. Because when our would it uh, yeah, just when evolve our computers, quicker? I guess you'd oh, limit yeah, that, it. Oh yeah, that would that would be yeah, that that's that would happen if you left it by itself. Yes. Yeah. It would then go from a general intelligence to quite a, like a super intelligence if you just fed it information constantly. But then that would be quite difficult for us as humans because we wouldn't know what to feed it to make it more to make it more intelligent than us. Just leave it on Reddit, mate. They have oh, all that, the answers. No, it'll turn into... Yeah, I was going to say racist Nazi. <laughs> They've done like that, they though, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. They, have to, they have to turn it off pretty quickly. Yeah. Which is fair enough. Right. Last thing I've got to speak about. AI and art. Yes. Oh, I am enjoying it so much that I have created an Instagram account not sorry to play Tom if you ever got, want to plug your own account with this I realised go for it uh, um, at spaceman952 there you go <laughs> it's called AI underscore art project and I, the, my idea is I was going to do themes uh, weekly that I run th- like different prompts through an AI art generating uh, algorithm and essentially what we've we've talked about uh, the whole like decision making and it going through the different steps AI does that in creating art but it essentially uses images online in a massive repository like Google or something and then combines them to try and fit your your prompt as much, as closely or whatever you think it can and you can give it different styles um, if it be like, like render specific you can actually give it uh, which I thought was incredible um, lens types so you can have like an f yeah 3.5 millimeter and then it will render oh, was it? you render the image with that lens type which is absolutely incredible that it can do that and we've created you've created some actually like psychedelic uh landscape scenes um yes i did <laughs> i created some with like 
floating boats across the water with like some nebula in the background they look absolutely incredible i also ran the information entropy podcast as the prompt and we'll be sharing that tomorrow morning along with the release uh to see what it came up with one of them's quite scary one of them looks really cool and one of them's like this this hybrid mix of them all so okay it 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 just does what it says on the cinema we talked about before it just analyzes like thousands of thousands of images uh and then combines them in a way that it thinks that it's trying to think like as it's trying to mimic human intelligence it kind of just smashes them all together uh because it's not actually drawing it itself this is this is the thing that people sometimes get confused with it's not actually drawing the paintings what it's doing is it's finding them or finding shapes or finding colors and then combining them from art that already exists so there's never going to be well potentially there could be because we have not enough art in the world but there's never going to be a potential that it just takes over art because it needs that source material to then propagate off of yeah for sure um but there is there's been some controversy in like animations and storyboarding and concept art there was one company that paid for like the commercial license to one of these things and what they essentially did was they got rid of all their concept artists and just replaced it with the ai and what they did was then they just had uh, some artists on the team that ran the prompts and then edited the images that came out of it to be their concept arts because it was infinitely oh. quicker. And that was their concept art for things. For like games and animations and movies and things, they were just like, yeah. okay, this scene we're going to have like a vista from a cliff top looking down upon a military base that's surrounded by aliens. And then the AI would create that in the vagueness that a concept artist would with the same amount of detail. And they were like, oh yeah, it will look a bit like this. Do you want to change anything? And then they would modify it afterwards. AI, already taking jobs. Already taking jobs. I get it. I understand from a cost perspective why you would do that, yeah. Yeah. And it's happening in other space, like cybersecurity where I work. The use of AI is now like overtaking some people's jobs. Like you used to have people that monitored... And I suppose it's better in a certain sense when you look at it because to do with accuracy and false positive stuff, you still need someone there. But for monitor logging, logging monitors, someone that like monitors uh, different logs that come in from machines, from outside, from inside, to be able to identify and spot nefarious activity, used to have like a a common operational picture uh, that would show you all the different connections and stuff and give you real-time monitoring and ping you. Whereas essentially now it uses artificial intelligence to learn what normal traffic looks like across your network. Right. Uh, and when, once it has that norm, it even does, um, there's a product that I remember using called Iron Scales, which would protect your email infrastructure because it learns who emails who, how often they email each other, the kind of things they talk about, um, and if anything deviated out of that norm, it would flag it. It then would flag it and put it into a pool where it would check with other companies that are using Iron Scales. It was like a, an open source initiative. Um, and if that had any reflection on other companies to have the same suspicion, it would then flag it, automatically put it into quarantine and um, remove it from everybody's inbox. 
Wow. So that, that's kind of how AI is being used today in cybersecurity and how that's taking a job away. But, you know, it's doing it more accurately and quicker than a human could respond. So there's there's positives yeah. and negatives to all this stuff. That's for sure. And, and I guess at least the... the like, uh, people always kind of say, okay, well, at least those people are freed up to go do something else, whether it's actually monitor the AI, instead of working at each individual place, some of those people will go work at iron scales, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Start programming these kind of things. But yeah, uh, it's a, it's an interesting one. Very, very interesting. Very cool though. Mm, yeah. 100%. Very cool system. Um, but the issue being is there's the flip side that um, nefarious individuals are also using AI because it's so open source that you can create uh like artificial algorithm AI algorithms that attack networks now to try and do the reverse. Right. So uh, that it's it's the, the complete flip side to iron scales. So you would have an AI that would, if you got in, would sort of look at how people wrote to each other, and then using all that um, information and that data, would if you were going to write like a spear phishing attack which is an attack that, or yeah, which is an attack that is an email that pretends to be someone that you know, or and it tries to get you to do something, either like download something or send someone money. If it's analyzed a whole mailbox worth of people's writing, it can then recreate uh, an email that would be written in their cadence and their style would be like, uh, close to something that they would actually use. So if it was coming like around the time of year that reports are going out, uh, it would send that then and then have like a malicious hook into it somewhere that would then get them. So there, there's two sides of so two sides of this AI coin is that it's just a complete arms race between like nefariousness and the good. That's terrifying. Yeah, technology is terrifying. Um, a lot of people in these big organizations don't know that this is going on in the background. <laughs> and when we're, when we're sat in all these meetings, that is what we're talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, fair. Um, well, we're over the hour. Yeah, I did. I went on a bit about AI stuff in cybersecurity. No, but this is very got interesting. Me, got me hooked. It's... <laughs> 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 you maliciously hooked yourself there. Yeah, I did. All right. Um, are we going to carry this on next week? I have run out of things to talk about. So unless oh, you want a solo uh, and in betweeny to carry on. I'm All right. Well, well, we'll see. We'll see how bored I get. Yeah. Where we'll see what the weather's like. Because if it's <laughs> like it was today, I will be stuck here. Yeah, mate. Do do some more. Recreate your your Sanford one. Oh yeah. You're, you're so well, I would do if I hadn't lost oh, that's, that's all so of sad. it. That's sad. Yeah, fun stuff. <laughs> Listen to last week's episode to find out about what happened there. Yeah. Anyway, that will bring us to a wrap on artificial intelligence for now then. So thank you all for joining us. Don't forget to share this with your friends, family, co-workers, um, maliciously inclined intelligence <laughs> that you happen to know anything like that um we appreciate all of the listens if you want to find out more information fun science artificial intelligence art then head on over to at 
AI underscore art project. AI, yeah, AI underscore art project. Nailed it on Instagram. Yeah. Or information entropy pod on Instagram or Twitter. We are at info entropy pod. And of course, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you are listening now, likes, ratings, shares, help us out absolutely massively. So we have been the information entropy podcast and hopefully we have helped to decrease some of the entropy of information in your lives. But I have a sneaking suspicion we did not. Mm-hmm. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> not today. Maybe maybe on the next one. We'll get you on the next uh, one. We'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep trying. We'll maybe keep trying. we should use AI to improve. Do you know what I was going to say that we should have done for this? That there, there are AI writing prompts that are taking like... Um, writing jobs now because they're really good at like you just give it a subject and it'll write a whole uh, blog page for you i was thinking about doing that for this episode and just doing like oh, reading yes. off a, uh, like a, a prompt to be like and this episode we're gonna talk about ai blah 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 blah, blah. we will do that as a mini as a mini episode maybe yeah. see if you can find An extra it. release yeah. yeah all right cool well, we'll catch you guys next week then. Indeed. Thanks for listening. Have a good one, everyone. And, uh, yeah. Peace. Peace.